Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free. How you doing? Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Long week for me. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited. We have not one, but two fantastic guests uh, in this hour for you here on The Only True Democracy in talk radio. Thank you for listening to us on all of the radio stations, the podcasts, the streams. Thank you for watching us on formerly Twitter, now X and Facebook and YouTube and everywhere you can see us, everywhere you can hear us. We're just so glad to be a part um, of you, whether you're watching and listening live or not. Um, We have a very important guest uh, with us today. I'm very excited to have him with us. Mr. Vincent Perone is with us. He is president of Teamsters Local 804 in New York. He's Teamsters International Trustee and a member of the Teamsters National Negotiating Committee for that UPS contract, historical UPS contract. Now, you know about the Teamsters, founded in 1903, and the union represents over a million hardworking people, not just here, but also in Canada and in Puerto Rico. Please visit them at Teamster.org to learn more and follow them on Twitter at Teamsters and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. Um, You know, I just uh, first of all, uh, President Perón, thank you for being with us. Uh, This was a historic UPS contract. Uh, you know, the the results were higher wages. You have more jobs. You have equal pay. Air conditioning, which with triple digits, everybody should have and shouldn't have to ask for. Uh, MLK, which is federal holiday, to have that off when the people you're delivering to, for the most part, aren't there in businesses. Uh, part-time rewards, the list goes on. So many questions to ask, sir. Thank you for being with us. Uh, a pleasure to have you with us and an honor. First off, uh, President Perone, what makes the tentative agreement between the Teamsters and the UPS so historic? Because certainly this contract is, this agreement is historic. Well, uh, first of all, Leslie, thank you for having me on and thank you for bringing all these issues to the forefront. I really appreciate what you do. Um, just a little bit of background of my, my own background. I was a UPS driver for 25 years. So I was um, in the game. I wasn't sitting on the sidelines. You know, I I sweated in the back of a truck. I got carted off with heat exhaustion. I was forced to work excessive overtime. Everything that you could think of, I wasn't given a fan upon request when we needed fans, at least at the bare minimum. So, and in my 25 years as a Teamster and in the almost five years that I've uh, served in office, I could say that this is the biggest contract for sure that our members have ever seen. Um, Economically, as far as work rules go, there there was not one concession in this contract. And I give uh, a lot of credit to General President Sean O'Brien, the entire negotiating committee for doing that and sticking to their guns. 
Well, I'm a Boston girl, so I know with the Boston guy at the helm, like that's going to happen. You know, I, I think I was taught seriously in school in negotiating 101 that, you know, the best negotiation is when both parties walk away having left something on the table. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> you know, when I when I go to a negotiation, I want to get I don't want the whole pie. And you guys did get that. Can you speak specifically to some of the gains that are there for the Teamsters members in this deal? Well, you know. Your business uh, one negotiating one ones pretty accurate. You know there there is one or two all one or two things that we did feel that we couldn't get accomplished that we you know uh, maybe next time we will. But as far as the economics, the seven dollar fifty cent raise across the five years, which comes out to about eighteen percent. I mean our our last contractual raises amounted to about four dollars and fifteen cents. So plus the company would usually agree to backload these raises. This time it's $2.75 off the bat. Um, you know, $4.50 raises for part-timers off the bat and higher in some cases. You know, the uh, traveling the Northeast as I did, either campaigning or for this contract, there was a lot of complaints about the excess overtime. In other words, UPS just, you know, kicked the, crap out of our members and force them to come in on six day punches that's been eliminated um you know the ac in the, in the vehicles people say it's not all the vehicles yet but i think twenty eight thousand over the first five years of the agreement is a really good start including the safety committees that are going to be monitoring better ways to ventilate the trucks the implementation of um you know, well, getting rid of the 22 fours, which, you know, as everybody knows, was probably one of our biggest gripes contractually, the second tier of package car driver, because that's all that they were ever used for. Um, bigger penalties on UPS violating the agreement, because anybody who knows this company knows that all they do is they sign their name on a piece of paper and look to violate the agreement. Um, MLK Day, uh, directing more packages to UPS trucks instead of having them shipped to the post office. It's, you know, the, the technology, no autonomous vehicles, no drones during the life of the agreement, elimination of driver facing cameras, better subcontracting language. So more of our Teamster tractor trailer drivers work part-time transfers across the country, which we never had that before 7,500 more full-time jobs created, and restrictions on this gig economy, personal vehicle drivers, which which was running rampant. You know, they they had it in the contract. That was their position. You know, they you know won a couple of arbitrations, or we felt we split them. But we really put restrictions on this gig work to only during a six week, five or six week period during the Christmas season. So it was like all, all across the board, a lot of different things that happened that are good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a few weeks ago, and you'd never know today's like cloudy and it rained yesterday uh, here in Los Angeles, but it was 104 degrees. And I have two teenagers at home about to go back to school. So I have a lot of deliveries coming. And uh, I've seen uh, my UPS driver quite a lot. And one day when it was 104, um, I needed to sign for something. He was dripping with sweat. And I said, do you want any water? And he said, I have water. I said, is it cold? And he said, no, it's, pre it's pretty warm. So I gave him a cold thing of water, asked if he wanted ice. He was very nice. But I thought to myself, 
you know, what kind of a company does that to its employees? It's just human decency. It's the right thing to do to make sure, you know, they're not dripping in sweat and, you know, maybe going to pass out from heat exhaustion, or, you know, or, or God forbid, worse, have some uh, health issues. But speaking of their UP, the UPS driver, everyone recognizes their de- delivery driver. I know that I do. Everyone recognizes not just the logo, but the, the, the person doing the delivery, the, the, the men and women in brown uniforms and certainly that truck. Um, but we forget included in this contract are workers at UPS that we don't see, workers in the warehouse, part-timers. All of these play an important role for UPS as well, correct? And there obviously are benefits for them in this contract too. A hundred percent correct. And, you know, getting part-timers raises that they've deserved because, you know, quite frankly, they were forgotten over the last God knows how many contracts since, since the early eighties, at least. So getting them more money and better benefits, you know, like the transfer language, getting UPS to commit to putting X amount of fans, water coolers, um, ice machines that are maintained and cleaned. You know, th- these are all important issues because the guys and girls, our fellow Teamsters that work inside, you know, they, they suffer just as much as the driver delivering our children's because I got a son going off to college for his first year. So Congrats. he's getting a lot of stuff too. Yep. So, um, you know, everybody's important. And I feel, I mean, in this contract, again, previous contracts, they were concessionary. This time, I think we touched all bases across the board and got something for everybody. And it's a great building block for the future. Absolutely. What difference will this contract make in these workers' lives? I mean, how will it help lift all workers at UPS? Well, you know, look, we have more time off with an extra holiday. Okay. We have higher wages for part-timers. And one of our goals, and I've been, you know, screaming this from the mountaintop, you can't get people involved. You, you know, you, you try to prevent it from being a turnstile operation like Amazon or, or wherever else. You want to be able to treat people, right, get them more money, let them see a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and I'm talking strictly about our part-timers. Give them more opportunities for full-time jobs. Is it perfect? Nothing's ever perfect. But like I said, this is a tremendous contract. And we're hoping that we, you know, stem the tide and stop these young men and women from not being involved in the union because they think that nobody cares about them. Very well said. Perfect. Yeah, very well said. Perfect. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with President Perron, Vincent Perron, president of Teamsters Local 804 in New York, Teamsters International Trustee, and a member of the Teamsters National Negotiating Committee for that historic UPS contract. Follow Teamsters at Facebook.com forward slash Teamsters or on Twitter at Teamsters and go to their website, Teamster.org. Back with President Perone and you right after that. We are back. Happy Friday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk. We're with Vincent Perone, president of Teamsters Local 804 in New York, Teamsters International Trustee, and a member of the Teamsters National Negotiating Committee for that historic UPS contract. We're talking about that contract with President Perone. Be sure to check out the website for Teamsters, teamsters.org, at teamster.org, and also on Twitter, at Teamsters. 
and facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. Follow them there. A lot of information and not just about UPS and this contract, but many. But we are talking about this contract. President Perone, thank you for holding and welcome back. Can you walk us through or tell us um, uh, how this tentative agreement was reached? It was done the complete opposite of how contracts were negotiated for as far back as I could remember and going back 30 years. So that would be the previous five contracts. Um, President O'Brien decided early on that he wanted our, our supplements negotiated first. So there's a, a bunch of supplements all over the country, riders, et cetera, that um, usually were done afterwards. So he put pressure on us as local leaders and on UPS, quite frankly, because he insisted that not only were the supplements done first, but we weren't going to sit around and lollygag for a year and just bounce useless ideas back and forth with the company, because that's how it was traditionally done. We had a very firm time frame that we weren't going to start negotiating a year out, that we were going to start in uh, February. And that's what we did on the local levels across the country. And when we hammered out most of the local agreements, I believe there was two that were outstanding. We sat down with the company and um, we still at that point didn't start negotiating with the company because the outstanding local agreements were stalled. So mm-hmm. that went on for a little while, for you know just about a week. And there was finally movement. And you could see at the negotiating table the um, stress on the company's faces. Because don't forget, this is a company that, you know, made a $13 billion profit, you know, $101 I mean, billion, dollars, $101 billion net. So they didn't want to see all that get flushed away. So there was absolutely a lot of pressure on this company to get this deal done. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, is uh, I would imagine every negotiation is a learning experience. Was this and doing it differently a learning experience for other contracts in in other industries going forward? Uh, you know, was was it helpful to have it sort of you know turned upside down or on its ear kind of thing? It it was against UPS, and you have to remember this is the biggest private sector agreement in the world, I believe, definitely the United States. So um, it was very good to do this against UPS. It might not be the way to do it against smaller um, companies with right. smaller bargaining units, but they're just so arrogant in the way that they do business. And even during negotiations, they kept thinking it was going to somehow go back to the old way. They kept playing a stall game and thinking that they could go way past the deadline that um, the general president set on this contract. And that wasn't the case. And personally, I'm very glad that we as a committee put our foot down. On Absolutely. Absolutely, me too. Uh, what differences did picketing and the rallying by Teamster members make, in your opinion, in achieving uh, this historic agreement? I think it played a tremendous part. I was around in 1997. I was a very new uh, package car driver, and I went on strike the day after I moved into a new house that I bought, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Right? Right. So this time, um, I mean, it was a plan this time to get as much information out there as possible, to have as much transparency as humanly possible. I mean, Sean made it a point in telling us that he was going to hit social media. We all were going to hit social media. We were going to practice picket. There was a very, very solid plan in place that in this 
economy, with the way these corporations are run now, I think it really put the fear into the shareholders. We were, you got to remember, we were practice picketing, and, and uh, the general president was blasting Good Morning America, CNN, Fox, everybody, every place he could you know, talk, he was talking, while UPS was putting out little blurbs on their um, UPS website about how great it is to become a part-time supervisor. So I think, I think the uh, media campaign was tremendous. I think it was heavily in our favor. And it put the right pressure, especially the practice pickets. There's always a, a worry that members aren't going to go out on strike. But I will tell you this, Leslie, the members, the employees of this company, for the most part, hate the way this company treats them so bad that there were members that were practically salivating for a strike. And the yeah. company saw that. Yep, yep, and it was it was the right thing to do. And also having a president at the helm, like President O'Brien of the, the teams, just like you say, not only did he go on media, but just like President Biden, no malarkey, he got a no malarkey leader. And I think that's people needed to see. He just put it out there, you know, this is the situation and presented the facts. And I think that's why we had the nation behind the, the behind the Teamsters and the UPS uh, drivers, and not the, and not just drivers, but everybody working for UPS, um, and and not the corporation on this. But why why is it so important for Teamster members to vote on the contract between now and August 22nd? I've told people myself for 25 years that you can't complain if you don't vote. Right? You have to participate. We look at it as Teamsters, as an organization, and these companies across the United States look at it too. They want to see the voter participation. They see the constant complaining also, meaning UPS. So we have a huge bargaining unit. It would be really nice if the vast majority of people actually voted on this contract, because that hasn't been the case in the past. We had a contract uh, pushed down our throats five years ago, which Sean O'Brien led the charge in changing the two-thirds rule. So it would be really nice to show um, corporate America that Teamsters vote, not only in contracts, but politically, national politics, local politics, and it, it sends a message. And the, the goal at the end is to show all these companies, all these, all these potential members, whether it's Amazon or FedEx or the mom and pops, what union contracts could bring them and what solidarity can bring them. Mm, absolutely. And my understanding is that all the locals are, are going to be conducting member meetings. Teamsters are going to have uh, several weeks to vote uh, on uh, the offer electronically. Uh, the voting began August 3rd, concludes August 22nd. I just want to say, President Pro, more than a pleasure to meet you and to talk to you today. And congratulations, because the UPS Teamsters National Master Agreement, as you know, is the single largest private sector collective bargaining agreement on the continent in North America. Congratulations, sir, for being one of the leaders uh, to make this happen, along with the great union of the team space. Thank you. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. Thank you for listening to us and watching us everywhere that you can find uh, online programming. Very happy to have with us the second guest in this hour, um, Mr. Greg Unterseer. He is manager of pilot representation for the Teamsters Airline Division, and they represent over 9,000 airline pilots at 11 airlines. That includes Atlas Air, uh, Allegiant Air, Republic Air, Horizon Air. 
Uh, Greg Isvelf is a former Boeing 747 captain. He has over 28 years of commercial flying experience, over 30 years of experience as a Teamster representative and organizer, and holding both an elected and in his current appointed position. He has negotiated the groundbreaking first agreement at Allegiant Air and oversaw negotiations at Omni Air International, and that saw pay increases of up to 96 percent. I need him to do my contract. And this last year, negotiating pay increases at Horizon Air that doubled first officer pay. He lives in Seattle, lovely Pacific Northwest, uh, with his wife and son. Uh, by the way, a reminder about the Teamsters. Founded in 1903, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters represents over a million hardworking men and women in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. Visit them at Teamster.org. They'll give you a lot of information. Follow them on Twitter at Teamster, or on X at Teamsters, and like them on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. Um, what would you like to be called? Would you like to be called Mr. Underseer, Manager Underseer, or Greg? <laughs> Greg would be great. Thank you. It's good because uh, I got to be honest. I can mess up the name Smith, so yours is a little difficult for me. <laughs> um, Greg, you look like a, a senator with the background and in, in your suit. And <laughs> no, that's uh, the Teamsters Airline Division working for uh, the General President. He likes us to be presented when we're uh, representing the Teamsters. So. I, I get it. I'm a I'm a I'm a Boston girl, and he's a Boston guy, and that's how, that's how we were brought up. I mean, we used to have to dress up to go to public school, you know. Um, th yeah. Thank you yep. so much for taking the time to be with us. I know that you're very busy, and congratulations, um, you know, on um, you know just all the things that you have done, uh, especially for you know pilots and you know airline employees, and in a sense for consumers, you know, and those of us that fly. I have to fly a lot for my job. Um, in June, a couple of months ago, the Teamsters filed a lawsuit against Republic Airways and Cape Air, and that lawsuit was for unlawfully requiring pilots to sign employment contracts with non-compete causes that impose penalties ranging from $100,000 to $250,000. Now, I'm not an attorney. I did law school for five minutes. I mean, you know, a little longer, but um, just, just looking at that at face value, you know, can a corporation, I mean, in my business media, it's a little bit different. There are non-competes, but, you know, there for a period of time. Um, you can't prevent legally someone from make, from earning a living, especially if their field is so specialized, like a pilot, as you know. Um, so speak to that at first. Was this, was this something new that you said? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. This was completely out of left field. We were very surprised. As a matter of fact, last Last summer, we saw some other groundbreaking contracts with regional pilots doubling their pay. It's kind of an acknowledgement that, um, A, that kind of labor arbitrage that has happened over the past decades has really died out, and it was time to really pay pilots uh, what they were worth. And so really on the back of that, really what was a doubling last summer, kind of across the regional industry, it was very surprising for us to see them to continue to have the problems they're having and use this as really a trap to, um, you know, to, you know, contain a, a, an employee and have them stay when otherwise they could move on to another job or some other thing would come up in their life that they would want to have some mobility. Well, also, if you're settled, right, you know, if you're based in Seattle, where you mm -hmm. are, Los Angeles, where I am, if you have a non-compete, that means you have to uproot and leave the city. I know this firsthand. I've had to do that. Um, but again, you know, I'm not driving a vehicle, flying a vehicle, and responsible for literally hundreds of lives. This isn't an Uber driver, a taxi uh, that you hail. I think people forget, um, you know, how 
God, just how difficult it can be, you know, to, to be a pilot. And I, I just seriously, I have so much respect um, for what you guys do and for what, um, you know, all these men and women do um, that uh, fly planes, because I think people just forget that. I mean, how many factors there are um, and and how difficult this position can be and the background of some of these people. I mean, some of these people come from, you know, uh, flying jets off of Navy fleets overseas, you know? I've- Absolutely. Yeah. And it's again, it's been um, uh, we've seen it in other industries. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, we've actually seen it at Jimmy John's. Right. It's just an, a, a, an attempt to block workers from from having the free market available to them. And it's really no different uh, for the pilots. And if you if you back out and take a high level view of what they're trying to do, it is you know to trap us and to really take away our bargaining power in the future also. So if you end up with you know, all of your pilots under other agreements that, that precludes their movement, their free movement and free association, um, hey, we lose all of our power as a union. No, no, absolutely. Um, and, 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 and the lawsuit asserts the employment contracts are an attempt by the airlines to change the pilots' working conditions unilaterally. And, and that violates federal labor law, right, specifically under the Railway Labor Act. Uh, the suit was filed in U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Indiana. But can you speak to that? A violation. Can you speak to that law? Yeah. So um, under the Railway Labor Act, they're called system-wide contracts. So you know, while we have locals and individual pilot groups, the airline division is the sole representative for for our members under the Railway Labor Act, and it's unlawful for them to add or change any terms on that agreement without consensus of not only us but under the Teamsters, the full ratification of all of our members, and that did not happen. Um, according to Josh LeBlanc, who's president of Teamsters Local 357 and a Republic Airways pilot himself, he said, quote, the contracts that these pilots at these two companies are forced to sign as a condition of employment are unlawful and we fully expect to win in court. He went on to say these punishing non-compete agreements are not a solution for the labor supply problem that these employers created created of their own accord. Um, and if, if you could speak to that as well, I mean, it, isn't this just an example of corporations punishing employees because their bottom line is not the same after a pandemic because their staffing has changed, which is of no, um, it's not the fault of any of these pilots. They have no control over some pilots going, you know what, I didn't work as much and I think I want to change careers or I want to retire early. You know, I've had enough. And we've seen this throughout industries across, across the board. So you know, would you view this as punitive for the failings and shortcomings in the airline industry and specifically of these corporations and these specific airline companies? Yeah, certainly. And what, what has happened since there were so many retirements at the major carriers, the Americans, the Deltas, um, uh, that it created a huge demand to bring in more pilots from their ranks. Now, the feed from that has kind of historically been the entry level or the mid-tier carriers, and we re- represent a lot of them. Republic Airways is a you know, quote unquote, regional feed. Um, that's kind of a misnomer. It's not really a correct uh, application of what they do. If you fly in and out of Washington, D.C., um, there's a good chance you're going to fly in on a Republic flight. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's coded as an American flight, yep. a Delta, Delta flight. You don't really know that you're on Republic. Um, it's just a smaller aircraft doing the exact same flying that's got better economics uh, for the carriers. Uh, the non-compete clauses, this blew my mind because like I said, I've been, um, when I worked in Chicago years ago, there was a, you know, a non-compete. Um, I was newly married. My husband was doing fellowship in Cincinnati 
And they they seriously wanted to prevent me from working in Chicago for five years. Uh, okay, I was like, huh? Um, that quickly got you know moved down to ninety days. So when I saw this non-complete clause that the companies were forcing pilots and requiring them to work at Republic Airways for a, a minimum of two years. In addition to that, there were financial penalties and that the pilots were barred from flying professionally for up to a year. Uh, to me, I was like, okay, I think that even tops the five years because they weren't trying to force me to stay at the company or work in a different capacity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's two years as a captain. So if you look at it in whole, it's more like five years because you've got to become a first officer. You need to fulfill your qualifications to upgrade to a captain position. And what has happened is the majors are taking first officers. Uh, they're hiring them at a lower threshold than they have in the past. So they cannot fulfill the captain position, right? So they don't have enough captains to fly their aircraft. And again, that's something we've never really seen in the past. Um, and again, people are, are moving up the ranks because those openings are there. And it is not the fault of our members that that is the, you know, the economics that they find themselves in. Uh, Joe Muckle, president of Teamsters Local 1224, said, quote, if these companies are having a hard time recruiting pilots, then they should do what nearly every other airline has done in a competitive job market, increase wages and benefits less than a minute yep. before break uh, quickly. Uh, can you speak to that? This to me is common sense. This is the way you do it. If you want more people to come work, give them more money, give them more benefits. Yeah, make it, uh, you know, they say the economics aren't there in these these aircraft. Uh, uh, they are, we believe. I mean, again, they 100% pay raises kind of across the board last last summer for, for the regionals, and they still want to keep this, you know, going, right? It's a good deal for them. Uh, we think they could do more to make this, uh, you know, a landing place where people have good careers and lives and and, and spend their careers there. So, so yes, um, it is very simple. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back with the manager of pilot representation for the Teamsters Airline Division, Mr. Greg Unterseer. Uh, by the way, uh, they represent over 9,000 airline pilots at 11 airlines. We're going to talk with him and you when we come back. Don't go away. Follow uh, Teamsters on Twitter, which is now X at Teamsters. Like them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. And please check out the website. Thanks. Look at everything they do. Okay. Teamster.org. It's not just airlines and UPS. We'll be back right after this. And we're back on Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk. We're talking with Mr. Greg Unterseer, who's manager of pilot representation for the Teamsters Airline Division. And as you know, there have been um, less employees uh, in the airline industry and pilots. It's pretty much across the board since the pandemic. But what some airline companies are doing is saying to pilots, you have to you know, stay with us, work with us for years, can't work anywhere else, can't do what you do. And, and that's not only uh, illegal, according to labor law, it, it's just not good common sense to increase uh, not just your bottom line, but the number of people that are working for you. Keep in mind, founded in 1903, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters represents over a million men and women, hardworking people in this nation, in Canada and Puerto Rico. Check out the website teamster.org. That'll give you more information. And if you want just quick bites, you know, just go to, you know, Twitter, which is now X, follow them at Teamsters and like them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Teamsters, Mr. Underseer's manager of pilot representation for the Teamsters airline uh, division. Uh, Greg, thank you for holding and um, welcome back. Um, we were talking before the break about Joe Muckle, president of Teamsters Local 224. Um, he went on to say, that trying to retain professional pilots by handcuffing them with bogus contracts is illegal and bad business, which is why no other airline is doing this. The Teamsters will fight this with the full force of our union. And, and I know you guys will be successful, but here's the thing. 
why make such a stupid decision as a, as a business, as a corporation, when you look around and those competitors in your industry aren't doing this? Yeah. Our other carriers have figured out ways to pay bonuses um, to, to keep pilots um, around using other methods, right? Um, and again, a lot of our regional carriers have um, a lifestyle that pilots like. Um, a lot of our other, you know, like United Pilot, uh, an American Pilot, they may have multiple bases they have to be at in their careers and uh, traverse, move their families, commute. Uh, it's a very difficult lifestyle. And um, there's a lot more regionality, living where you want to live in maybe a small town, especially with the regionals, um, and really building a life there. And I, we, we sincerely think there are things these companies can do, um, especially Republic, to, to retain, uh, especially captains, long-term. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Mr. Ord, in my mind, because I was going to speak to that. Republic is a regional airline. So when you look at the pilots of this specific airline, just as an example, I would imagine that they want to see, they're they're invested in this company, they want to see Republic succeed. This isn't a just gimme, gimme, gimme situation. They don't want to do anything harmful with these negotiations um, to the company, because that would be harmful to them. And like you said, it's a very different lifestyle than if you're working for a, a national or international airline, the bigger, you know, national, uh, in, national international airlines um, that are different than Republic. Yeah, I mean, I've told this to reporters and, and press over the years as they ask, well, why don't you just move on? Well, uh, especially as pilots, we invest our licenses and careers. Uh, and through that, we gain our seniority. So <clears throat> your seniority is everything in a carrier. When uh, a senior pilot would leave a republic, he's going to go to the bottom of the list at an American or a Delta. And there's a lot of uncertainty about that. And, and as you know, we all like some amount of certainty in our lives. We're investing, we're investing our license, our education, and we want to have, you know, kind of a knowledge that, that that's, that's a worthwhile investment, really. Pre-employment agreements, you know, as far as I understand, pre-employment, uh, pre excuse me, agreements are unlawful, but they're also against the Teamster um, CBA, right? And yes. in doing this, Republic is tarnishing its reputation, which could further hurt their bottom line. Because right now, there could be somebody who just says, you know, I didn't know that flight to DC or specifically DCA uh, on American was Republic. I'm just going to jump on an Amtrak, you know, or I'm going to yeah. take a different airline flight. I mean, even one person, you know, doing that, you know, can start a cascade. Um, so can can you speak to, to the Teamster CBA, how it's a violation of that? And, and, you know, perhaps just from common sense perspective, the how bad it is for a public's reputation. Yeah, I mean, it, I think you're absolutely right there. What's the what's the alternative? And it's just a violation because it's not agreed to in the in, in the actual contract. It's not something that was just never negotiated. So we never had the opportunity to discuss this. Um, there's one carrier where we have the ability to confer uh, uh, some training money um, ahead of time. But again, they came to us and it was ratified by the membership. Um, so it's not a pre-employment agreement. It doesn't make them be a captain for two years, those types of things. It's a way to, uh, you know, incentivize people, really. And again, it's always a two-way street in, in, in labor negotiations. It, it, it can never be unilaterally just, you know, shoved down the union's throat. And that's what they're doing here. Um, and, and again, People are going to make choices, you know, in the Northeast Corridor, especially, you know, the Boston to uh, to, to D.C. or especially in New York to D.C. easy um, and sometimes a lot more relaxing than going through uh, the airport nowadays. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know this. <laughs> um, 
you know, what I also was shocked about is that there was no phone call saying or meeting like you just spoke to that saying, hey, we're going to do this. Um, there was no heads up. Right. Um, yeah. They just yeah, they just did it. Is this highly unusual? It really is. Um, quite frankly, a, an employee came to us and said, what say you about this? They asked It's actually a, a, a pilot hire before they actually came on board and said, you guys, I mean, they were heads up and no, call the Teamsters. They're going to be my representative. Did you guys agree to this? Is this something that is okay? And that was the kind of the first we knew about it. It was like, oh, absolutely not. Um, and, you know, it was all a cascade uh, after that point. It was, well, we talked to the company. They felt they, they have some kind of a justification for it. Um, we don't understand that at all. And again, we want them to sit down at the table and negotiate an agreement with us that works for all the parties. Absolutely. Uh, to my understanding, just a, a brief read with research, there are two different NCCs, two different non-compete contracts, one with Cape Air and one with the pilots um, at Republic. But Republic owns an interest in Cape Air. So can you maybe just you know explain how that goes down, how that works? Yeah, it becomes very complicated. They're uh, legally they're arm length companies. Um, they can't control each other's uh, labor, so that's kind of another kind of compelling part of this this whole dynamic that they've created. But um, Cape Air, you know, Northeast is a famous carrier. It's been around a long time. Uh, you you're aware of it in Massachusetts, obviously, yep. out and Nantucket and all of those great places. Um, uh, there are 135 carrier under the federal regulations. Uh, Republic is a 121 carrier, and they have different experience criteria for entry into the market. So <clears throat> you can fly uh, as a first officer at Republic with 1,500 hours of experience. You can fly as a captain at Cape Air in a 402, a small airplane, with 1,500 hours. So what they're trying to do is capture that employee. While they might not need them right now at Republic, they've got a place for them at Cape Air. So what they're doing is having them go to Cape, and then when they fulfill enough time as a pilot flying 135, they then will be more qualified back at Republic, and that will give them, you know, value to uh, have them as captains eventually. But again, they're trapping them through their career, not only at Republic now, but through a whole different entity. So they're going, uh, interviewing or talking to Republic, they're sending them off to Cape Air, spending a year or so or two at Cape Air, and then coming back to Republic, and then still having to fulfill two years as a captain once they get back to Republic. It's so crazy. when you look, yeah, it is. It's, 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 I mean, and and you know, I mean, look here, look at your position and and formerly as a you know pilot. I'm sure pilot's going. This is above my pay grade, dude. You know, and this is this is not what I signed up. Right, not what I signed up for. I fly planes. Leave me. You know, let me do my job. But yep. this looks like to me that the employer is literally trying to take back wages the pilots have already made. So it's yep. money out of the pilots' pockets. And I would imagine some of these workers are going to struggle to repay that money. Oh, absolutely. I mean. It, Broken fan. I mean, you think about the, the the implications of this kind of actions by a company can be very very consequential on an individual. So absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you can't fly up to a year, it's sort of like you pay back the money, but we won't let you work to pay back money. Well, it's liquidated damages, so it's not even money that they've gotten, no wages that they've gotten. It's actually the company saying, "This is damages that you've caused our company by not working for us." Right? This is unrealized profit revenue that we would have had if you would have been an employee at our carrier, which again is crazy. We have not seen those types of 
parts in any, certainly any pilot or RLA labor agreement. Yeah, I mean, there's over 2,000 on the seniority list at Republic. And, you know, again, it, it seems that no one in the industry is required liquidated damages, um, plus requiring bonuses to be returned, additionally requiring the signing of a non-compete clause. Do these... Um, does this do these companies have a I don't want to say death wish it sounds so but I mean business wise it could you know it could, could really lead to that uh, your last word we have less than uh, sixty seconds well I, you're absolutely right on that and we're already seeing it um, and that may be the ultimate leverage in the end is not the lawsuit it is uh, uh, a free market and people uh, pilots saying I'm not going to work there there's better opportunities out there for my career and for my family. Uh, and I'm going to exercise that and not go fly at, at, at Republic Air. You know what, Mr. Entercy, I really like you being here today. I really learned a lot, and I know our listeners and viewers did as well. I know you'll be successful, hopefully sooner rather than later with all of this, and you'll prevail um, as the Teamsters um, usually do. Uh, Greg Underseer, Manager of Pilot Representation for the Teamsters Airline Division, has been our guest. Please check out the Teamsters online. Go to their website, teamster.org. Find out a lot of information about UPS, uh, the airline pilots, and, you know, so much more that Teamsters do. Follow them um, on Twitter, for, uh, formerly Twitter, now X, at Teamsters, and like them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you for being with us. Have a wonderful day. A shout out to our executive producer, Marky Mark Grimaldi, who does all the technical stuff because I'm in the